to work or not to work in retirement. On today's show, we'll discuss three pros and three cons of working in retirement. Welcome in to the Retirement Referee with Steve Caruso. Welcome in, everybody. This is The Retirement Referee with Steve Caruso. I'm consumer advocate Steve Siddall. And, of course, this is the show where we blow the whistle on financial fouls. Uh, Steve, of course, is the best-selling author of Cookie Cut This, Retirement Distribution Strategies for the Nonconformist. He is a fiduciary. He is an independent. He's been helping folks get to and through retirement for more than 20 years. And uh, he's here with us, as always, uh, every week. Uh, LaurelWS.com is the uh, website, LaurelWS.com. Hi, Steve. How are you? Are you? Hi, good evening to you, Steve. Thanks for uh, yeah making 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 some time on a Sunday evening. Yeah, well, I mean, again, these are the information that we put out here, Steve, and and, and what you share with us is so important for folks to hear. And uh, you know, we try to we try to take a different approach to things sometimes. And and I, I like this uh, where we're talking about pros and cons of working in retirement. And uh, you know, it's ideally you want to work in retirement. You don't have to work in retirement. And there's a big difference there. Right. No, that's that's a huge difference. So what we do and when we're putting together plans for people, we'll we'll say to them, listen, at this point, it's a choice to continue working. You don't you know, it's not a necessity, but we're going to talk about, you know, how you get there and and what some of the pros of continuing to work are. And, you know, one of the big cons is that you're still working and you can't go do what you want to do. <laughs> right. um, but one of the pros is that you're not going to burn through that, that money so quickly, you know, all your savings that you've spent your life putting together, you know, you work a little bit, you get a little extra money, maybe a little fun money. Right. Exactly. So now you're, what I see a lot of times when, and this, you know, I see this with a lot of my clients who want to continue working is they'll work past, say, Social Security age. And so now they get they defer their Social Security to, say, 70, and maybe they're still working at 71, 72. I have several clients that have worked into their early 70s by choice because they enjoy what they're doing. And so they'll delay their Social Security to 70, and then they start collecting it, and that just goes into a, a savings account that they treat almost like funny money because they don't need it to live. Um, so that's... You know, you're not because you're not not only are you not burning, you're also certain retirement income streams, whether it's Social Security and certain pension plans are going to force you at a certain age to start collecting. And so now that's extra money that actually is coming in. Uh, on top of your income. Well, sure. And again, it's all about income in retirement and multiple income streams are ideal. Yeah, absolutely. And so, you know, I just touched on, you know, you can basically get a little bit more from Social Security. So if you're if you're waiting 62 versus full retirement, uh, your full retirement benefit is going to be about 25% higher than your benefit at 62. Mm-hmm. And it's going to grow at about a, roughly another 25% or 8% a year between full retirement and 70. So you're talking about a significantly bigger number if you work those eight years between 62 and 70 and delay social security. Sure. And that makes a huge difference in retirement because now you're starting with a higher a higher base number so when you have a year like we had right now where you get that 5% inflation adjustment that's a much bigger that's a much it's 5% of a much bigger number sure absolutely and, and the the flip side of 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 working longer right is that you have less years of retirement right so um you're as my high school football coach used to say 
you're you're one day closer to death. Uh, <laughs> that's, that's that's how he would start our morning football practices. But, uh, <laughs> so that's uh, you know, that's that's what you're one of the things is so you have to you have to fund less years. Right. So not only do you have more income, you're only you're funding less years, which means that the quality of of, uh, or the amount that you can spend in those years is is more. Sure. And again, one of the other things too is is you're going to be less bored if you're working in retirement. And again, that interaction, that keeping the mind and the body busy is really important for people. Well, yeah, the, that's one of the things that we've seen a ton during the pandemic is people retiring that were hanging on to working. So you have the baby boom generation is roughly age 55 to 75 right now. Yeah. So there were a lot of boomers that are in their, their early 70s that were continuing to work because they enjoyed the camaraderie of going into the office. They didn't really want to start doing Zooms or working remotely or, you know, so they just retired. So you, so you have this wave of people that were older boomers that are retiring. And then you have some of the younger boomers who might be working in, like, say, a school setting or something like that where they don't want to they don't want to deal with all the restrictions and all the new regulations and rules and are deciding to retire early. And so, um, you know, but the, the reason people hang on and continue working is because they, it gives you structure in your day, it gives you something to do. And so it's, you know, it's, it's nice to have that. And it's nice to have the camaraderie of going into an office and chatting with people, even if there's some people that you don't like. (laughs) (laughs) Well, of course. Yeah. Well, and I think that too, that, I mean, it's an opportunity perhaps to, you know, do something that you've always wanted to do. Right. Yeah. No. And so if you're, and if you are, um, you know, if you have hobbies and things that you'd like to spend your time on, then maybe retiring early is not that, that big of a deal. But for some people who kind of don't really have many hobbies that don't travel that much, or maybe you're, you don't really have a companion to travel with and you don't, you know, you just don't enjoy going on, you know, singles cruises or, or, or whatnot. <laughs> sure. yeah. So um, you may want to continue working, but for those people who have things that they want to devote their time to, then retiring early, you're, you know, is, is, is worthwhile because, and that would be a con of continuing to work in retirement sure. is because it's less time to devote to the things that you want to do. So whether that, by, you know, that might be, you know, if you like sailing, it might be working. If you, I have a lot of cli- clients who love to work and, and restore old cars, right? That takes okay. a lot of time. That is a time consuming <laughs> so, thing. Yeah. Yeah. So if you are in retirement and you're, you know, you, you have a lot more time to, to, to spend in the garage restoring cars. Okay. And so, um, you know, that's something like that. And so, um, another con is that, you're going to owe income tax on those social security benefits. So we talked about the higher social security benefit. So that client that's working into their seventies and collecting and bankrolling the social security, 85% of it is going to be taxable as income. So you do pay a little bit more in taxes. And these are, these are the things that we look at when we put together a financial plan and our, our retirement distribution plans are very comprehensive. We're going to go into how you're going to need, how much income you're going to have, we're going to address what the taxes are going to look like on that, what the purchasing power when we factor in inflation is going to be. And what all that does is give you clarity and gives you peace of mind. And we, we, we offer that peace of mind to our listeners every week. We, the first 15 callers, we offer a comprehensive 
uh, retirement distribution plan. Hey, that sounds great. Folks here, take advantage of what Steve's offering here today. It's a chance to, to sit down with him and, and begin to put together a financial roadmap. Things can get complicated. Just what we've been talking about. Do you want to have your Social Security taxed? Well, there are ways that you can not have your Social Security taxed. Steve understands that, can break it down for you, make it clear and easy to understand. It is an excellent chance for you to get a true practical financial review, and it starts with that phone call, 800-705-9995. Again, the next 15 callers right now will get that comprehensive financial review. You'll see where you are today, yes, but more importantly, you'll find that you now have a roadmap that can help get you to where you need to be when it comes to retirement. Give us a call, 800-705-9995. Again, 800-705-9995. You know what it costs to run your household on a monthly basis, and you know you should be padding that emergency fund, but are you? When we come back, little things that can cause big problems in retirement. Welcome back, everybody. This is The Retirement Referee with Steve Caruso. I'm consumer advocate Steve Siddall. Uh, Steve, of course, is a fiduciary independent. He's a best-selling author. It's called uh, Cookie Cut This. Uh, we'll talk about that before the show is over and uh, so much more. Um, so, yeah, let's talk about this, Steve. I mean, this is some interesting stuff. You know, like, we really can be our own worst enemy sometimes when it comes to planning for retirement. And the, the biggest thing, and you've said this many times, you've got to have a budget. And, and believe it or not, folks, budget is not a bad word. No, you know, what happens is by not budgeting or by some people just say, oh, I've always been able to get by or I can wing it in retirement. And it's not that important. I, you know, I, I've been able to do it. Well, guess what? When your paycheck stops, it's a lot harder to wing it. <laughs> and so, <laughs> yeah, no and so uh, you know, you're you're basically your procrastination is sabotaging is sabotaging yourself. So you you want to get the time to start budgeting is not when you retire. It's before you retire. And so because you want to build the discipline. And we we often make the analogy to like a personal trainer at the gym, right? If you return to working out when you start losing weight and um maybe you took a break from exercising. And so now those first three or four weeks where you're getting back into the routine, you're building the habit and the discipline. And so with budgeting, it takes a little bit longer than that, but it, you know, you want to three to six months out before retirement, definitely start to really be tracking what you're spending. So you have a good sense of what your lifestyle is costing you every month, because if you don't do that and you're just winging it and saying, Oh, I think I'll need $25,000 to live on from my retirement plan. And then you pull out $25,000. Well, what happens is, is maybe you, you need a lot more than that. And then you have to keep going back to the well and you don't, and maybe it's the time for, to sell stocks. Maybe it's not, or you end up taking out too much and you're paying unnecessary taxes. So much better to measure and use, and use that measurement as a baseline than to just kind of wing it and, and, and try and eyeball it, so to speak. Exactly. Well, I think you said something very important there when you talk about maintaining your lifestyle, because that's what we want. And and again, that takes discipline, too, to just maintain what we have now into retirement. That takes work. That takes effort. And that takes you know help from a, an advisor like you, Steve. No, it, it definitely makes sense to be working with someone. And 
also taking advantage of the technology that's out there. So if you're working with an advisor like me, and they, even if you're not, even if you're doing it yourself, there are there are tools out there, whether it be Mint.com, that can aggregate your the the online tools that the different financial institutions provide. So your credit card company mostly has a a user portal where you can log in and see all of your transactions. Your bank also has a portal like that. So what an aggregator tool does, and one of the things that we offer our clients is a, an aggregator tool that will feed in the data from all your various financial institutions to show you, you made this in deposits and this is what went out the door. And you can see in black and white if, if there's a gap or if there's um, a surplus. And you can look at it over a month, over a three month, over six months, over a year. You can identify trends and you can say, oh, well, you know, it looks like every, every December I seem to spend a lot. I want, gee, I wonder why that is. And you can figure it out. But, you know, if you're budgeting $8,000 a month and every December you spend 15, well, $8,000 a month isn't going to cover you. You need to adjust for that. It creates a predictability of your income stream for your retirement assets, which is what you want. I, ideally, you want to make things as predictable as possible. Right. And well, so. Yeah. That's what planning does. Well, and again, you know, it, it it sort of lays it out. And and when you see it in black and white, you realize, oh, okay, so that's what I need to do. I can do that. Right. And, and you know, sticking on the technology just for one, one, one other second is just sure. that, you know, like you can pay all of your bills automatically online. Now, some people say, oh, I don't want to pay my bills online. You know, but what it does is you have the same amount coming out of your, and you don't have to worry, oh, did I write the check or if I'm a you know, things are going to happen in your retirement and it's reasonable to expect those things to happen, right? Like there, there'll be a time where you get sick or there'll be a time where, you know, you you go away for a vacation and you, you miss a flight or there'll, there'll be times where, you know, your, your kids call you to babysit their, your grandkids and, you know, they're going out of town for three or four days and they want you to stay at their house type of thing to watch their kids. So you may, it's easy to miss a bill payment. So these are little things. But like that, the majority of Americans don't take advantage of, of doing automated bill pays or sure. um, automatic deposits from your retirement account into your bank account. So it, what budgeting does in a nutshell is it allows you to automate the income payments because now you, you have an, a baseline of how much you need every month and you can create a predictable income stream. Well, I love the fact that you I can pay online. You're right. I don't have to think about it. I know it's going to get paid. <laughs> I mean, I know the money's there. I know it's going to get paid. Okay, I can relax. Exactly. But you should do the same thing when it comes to saving too, shouldn't you? Make that automatic just like you like a bill pay cuz you're paying yourself. Well, yeah, of course. If you're still working and you're in a a spot where you can save, you should you now your your 401k or your retirement plan should be coming out automated. But if you're in a spot where you could save beyond your maximum contribution, saving systematically is the best way to go. Because then you're you're when the market is down, you're buying more shares at a lower price. And then when the market's higher, you're buying fewer shares at a lower a higher price, which brings down the average cost of your your purchases. So absolutely that makes a lot of sense to do. So one of we one of the things we're talking about here is things that little things and that can turn into big things that can cause a problem. And uh, you know, it's the sandwich generation. You've said that before where, you know, you got baby boomers and they're taking care of elderly parents. They may still be taking care of kids, but that can have a, a you know, a pretty detrimental effect on our retirement. 
Yeah. So we talk a lot of times about the old airplane analogy of or your own mask is secured first before you right, go to someone else's mask. And they, they say that before every single flight. The reason they say that is because you do, you're doing yourself no good if you're putting yourself in jeopardy to, to help others. I actually see this as one of the, the bigger things that happen in retirement that derail retirements. It's one of the risks that no one really ever talks about. Steve, why don't we invite folks to call right now? Yeah, we still have about nine spots left. And we're going to put together that roadmap for you. We're going to look at your sources of income. We're going to look at you in retirement. So we're going to we talk a lot about the defined goal. So we're going to look at what is your lifestyle going to look like? And then what are the potential things that could derail your lifestyle? So one of the first questions I ask whenever I meet with someone new is, do, do, are, your chi- are your children financially independent? And a lot of times people will say, eh, well, how are you defining financially? <laughs> right. And then the, another question I always ask is, are your parents living and would you be responsible for their care from a financial or a time standpoint? And why is the time standpoint critical? Well, if, if you've ever had someone with dementia or that you've had to take care of, you can't be traveling all over the world if you're if you're responsible from a time standpoint of taking care of an elderly parent so it it kind of restricts you in your movements and so it's important to know that because that has an effect on your overall cost as well absolutely and so so these are the types of things that we look at and we uh we offer that like i said we have nine spots left and Hope to hear from you. And again, folks, give us a call. It's 800-705-9995. You're going to get the comprehensive financial review. You're going to get some extras thrown in there. And you're going to find you've now got a roadmap that can help get you to where you need to be when it comes to retirement. 800-705-9995. That's 800-705-9995. The Social Security cost of living adjustment is 5.9% for 2022. That is not the only change to Social Security next year. On today's show... We're going to highlight some of the biggest changes and how they could affect you. Hey, we're back on The Retirement Referee with Steve Caruso. I'm consumer advocate Steve Siddall. This is the show where we blow the whistle on financial fouls. He's a best-selling author, Cookie Cut This, Retirement Distribution, uh, Strategies for the Nonconformist. He's been helping folks for more than 20 years. He's a fiduciary, an independent, and uh, so much more. And, uh, Steve, I, you know, this is going to be some some good stuff. I mean, 5.9% cost of living adjustment with Social Security. It's been a big one, and uh, holy cow, uh, should I be jumping? up and down or do i have to wait for the other shoe to drop yeah i would wait for the other shoe to drop or to quote the title of larry david's show curb your enthusiasm (laughs) (laughs) very good very good yeah so you know so you're gonna have more social security but typically healthcare costs inflate on average double what um cost of living adjustments usually average and in fact the medicare part b premium for example got increased 14 and a half percent. That's a huge increase for Medicare Part B. I mean, I don't think people saw that coming. Yeah, I mean, I did. But I I mean, you know, the government, we say this all the time, the government giveth with one hand, they take it in the other. So of course, I mean, yeah, yeah. So you get excited because you're your social security, which is obviously a lot bigger than your part B premium. Um, The 5% in dollars is going to be a lot bigger increase than what your increase in your your Medicare premium is. 
But when you have something that's accelerating at a faster rate, and this is why you need to plan for inflation and why you don't want to move everything into safe and bank assets like that are getting less than 1%, you need to have something that's continuing to grow because if your expenses are growing at a faster rate than what your income is, then that difference has to come from your assets. And if you have your assets overly conservative and they're not growing at the rate of inflation, then um, it can be very problematic and it can lead to running out of money. Sure. And and again, but these are the kinds of things that you go over with folks and, and uh, the, you know, you talk about the Medicare Part B, um, that, I mean, those are the kinds of things that you stay on top of and, and that as you put plans together, you take all of these things into account. And that's so important, uh, you know, especially with, you know, how complicated things can get. We're going to look at all of your benefits. So, you know, there, the government, obviously, there's immediate benefits uh, in terms of what beneficiaries are getting across the board from Social Security. So um, the average retiree is going to get about a 2% benefit increase. Okay. Um, so there's positives, right? Sure. But have you gone out and bought gas lately? Yeah. <laughs> have you gone to the grocery store lately? Yeah, exactly. I was in, I was in a grocery store yesterday, right? And uh, the case of water was on sale for four sixty nine a case, right? Okay, which which is higher than I remember water being for yeah. a case. Yeah, but that was the sale price. Completely sold out. <laughs> so, no, yeah, no inventory of water. So I mean, uh, like it. You we get excited when we hear about these benefit increases, and we hear about oh, I'm going to have more money, or if you're a, you're in a pension and you get a cost of living adjustment, or um, you know, you might get a pay raise. Those pay raises are done to compensate for the cost of living adjustment. Right. And what we we've because inflation has laid dormant for so long, we've forgotten that that is a risk. Um, and it's now that it's kind of come back, people are like, whoa, wait a minute. <laughs> this is a lot more expensive than it was. And those raises, do, they don't seem as great once you factor in inflation. Sure. One of the things that uh, is being proposed is to um, raise the income thresholds um, where Social Security is taxed. And, and that can be a big deal because that hasn't changed, I think, since 1983. Am I right there? Yeah. So in 83, though, remember when they changed it, they also upped the age that you can start collecting. Mm -hmm. So I would anticipate that they're going to do something similar here um, at some point. You okay. Know, they're... It, we've all seen that little notice that they put on our social security statement that by 2034, the there's only going to be 67% of, you know, to cover the benefits, uh, basically saying that social security is going to be insolvent in the next 15 years. Sure. And so they have to address the problem. Just like in 1983, they changed the retirement age from 65 to 67, and then they phased it in. Right. And so um, there, the cutoff age was 1938, um, and that's when they started making the the changes to people born after that. I think you're going to see something similar with maybe like 1967 or 19, you know, um, maybe 1965. Sure. So the baby boom generation is born before before 1965. So I would think that the probably make they'll probably pick a spot somewhere in the late 60s and say people who are are born after this age, and this is all my hypothetical, I don't have any inside information on this. Of course, of course. I, I'm basing it on what they did in, in the 80s. 
I think they'll probably push the retirement age from 67 to maybe 70 years old. Wow. Uh, I, I could see that happening because otherwise the program doesn't work because the program is based on each generation being bigger than the one before it. And you have generation X is just so much smaller than, um, than the baby boom generation. And then you have medical technology. So the average boomer who is in their sixties now, a baby boom couple that is in their mid sixties now, right. And yep. retiring today, one of the two of them has a 20% chance of living to 95, wow. which means social security is going to be paying them for 30 years. A good long while. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and again, so, so, but doesn't that, that, that makes sense that, because one, we're living longer and two, the generation, you know, below baby boomers, you said Gen X, they're healthier, they're living longer. So that makes sense. We're going to be able to work longer and we've got to have more saved. Yeah, no, absolutely we do. And um, one of the, the things that is proposed, which would be a huge, huge help for the clients that I work with, I've mentioned before, I do a lot of seminars and, and workshops in the government employee space. Um, so the government pension offset and the windfall elimination provision, um, that would be repealed um, by this legislation, which would mean that those government employees would have would have so would basically have their social security unreduced again, which would be huge. That would be, I mean, that's a big deal. And, and I think that that is a very positive thing to come from all of this. Yeah. I think that, I mean, that's one that, you know, people focus on the, on the income thresholds and things like that. I actually think that's the biggest actual giveaway that they're giving in this bill is getting rid of that because a lot of people will, you know, whether they're Florida state employees or they're federal employees, a lot of those people are subject to the government uh, pension offset and the the windfall elimination, and so it's you know that's a and that's a huge, 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 huge uh, add on yeah. for those people. Well, and again, I mean that just makes sense because if I mean you know like military in particular, you know they retire after twenty years, but then they go and work a, a regular job and pay Social Security for another twenty years. Why shouldn't they have the, have an opportunity to get that? It, yeah, no, and and you know, most of them can, can work another 20 years or, but they're not, they're not going to work the 30 years right. that they need to, 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 uh, you know, get rid of it. So, um, and so that's, that's the, that's the issue there. And, and so I, I think it's, it's going to be a pretty significant thing. And that's one of the things that is the, the backdrop of, or the backbone of a, a solid retirement distribution plan is knowing what your income sources are and, and how they could be impacted. And so, Obviously, if you're 45 and you're just thinking about retirement now, it's not that Social Security will be there, but you probably want to start looking at a retirement distribution plan when you're closer to retirement. But if it's if you're in your late 50s and you're thinking about you know going out at 60 or 62, then you really want to know what those income sources are and you really want to know, hey, is that going to be enough to support my lifestyle? And that's what a financial plan does. And that's what we offer our clients. And we still have six spots left. 800-705-9995. Again, 800-705-9995. When we come back, questions from our listeners. That and more right after this. We're back 
on the Retirement Referee with Steve Caruso. I'm consumer advocate Steve Siddall. We blow the whistle on financial fouls. Uh, Steve, of course, best-selling author, Cookie Cut This, Retirement Distribution Strategies for the Nonconformist. And, uh, you know, we've been talking about changes coming. We talked about changes in Social Security, Steve. We talked about you know, the the difference uh, in Medicare, uh, Part B. Well, let's talk about changes in uh, the 401k and, and the IRA. There's They're making some changes as well. The IRS has come out with the income limit or the contribution limits for them next year. Right. So if you were maxing out and you're over 50 years old, you're maxing out your catch-up contribution, you're maxing out your your plan contribution, whether it's into a Roth 401k or 403b or traditional 401k, 403b, um, now you're going to be able to do 20,500 plus the catch up the 6,500. So instead of giving 26,000 a year, you can do 27,000 a year. So okay. if you, uh, we're getting paid every two weeks, right? That's, uh, that's going to be a thousand dollars a pay period. Well, now it's going to be even more than a thousand dollars a pay period because you're, you're able to put that extra thousand dollars into the plan. And so that's, you know, on a per on a per paycheck basis, which is how a lot of us think of things, it's an extra $38 a pay period that you can put into your your uh, retirement plan. Sure. All right. Well, I like the sound of that. And and um, we haven't talked much about HSAs, um, but but those contribution limits have increased as well. What are your thoughts on HSAs? HSAs are great. Um, you know you're going to have healthcare costs in retirement, and so if I can put money away and have it grow and defer it to when I actually need it, it why not? Yeah, why um, and, not? And so, it, you know, for a couple, it's going up. Basically, um, for a family, it's going up a hundred dollars, and for an individual, fifty dollars. Not going up a ton, right? But every little bit helps. Exactly. Well, especially if you have an HSA, and, and again, the, the caveat here is you've got to have a high deductible health care plan, but the, the, the sooner you start you know, down that path of, of contributing to that HSA, the more you're going to have once you hit 65 and, and Medicare, because that HSA can be used to help pay some of the Medicare costs, not all, but some. Yeah, no, of course. And you know, a lot of times people's feedback on that is they say, well, I don't want to be in a high deductible plan. But then when we when I talk to them, I say, well, how often do you go there? Oh, I go for a physical once a year. So <laughs> most plans are going to cover the physical, the annual physical for free. Right. So what, why would you want, why wouldn't you do the high deductible plan if you're not really seeing the doctor all the time? Now I understand if you have, you have ailments and you have things, you know, chronic issues that you're seeing the doctors all the time. But I, I know, uh, I, I have a lot of clients that, that maybe go to the doctor once or twice a year. And it's crazy not to do a high deductible plan in that situation and do the HSA. And you're basically what you're doing is you're 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 taking advantage of the fact that you're in good health now and deferring the money to a time when maybe you're not in so good of health. Right. So, again, those are the kinds of things we're talking about here. And um, uh, so, Steve, let's let's jump into a couple of questions while we have a little bit of time left here. Yeah, uh, we've got Sarah wondering, she says, I've been helping my parents look at long term care policies, and I'm shocked at how expensive they are. You said one time on the show that there are other ways to provide long term care coverage without buying a policy. Can you go over that again? Yeah, great question, Sarah. And, you know, we talked a, a second ago about the sandwich generation and how a lot of boomers are taking care of elderly parents. 
And the time to get insurance is not when you actually need the insurance. You want to do it much, much more in advance. And so if you're, and I don't know how old your parents are, Sarah, but let's assume they're in their, their 70s or, or 80s. It's very cost prohibitive. Uh, you can't get it in your 80s. And it's extraordinarily expensive to buy long-term care insurance in your 70s. And so there's a couple different things that you could do. Um, one of them, one of them is if they have, um, a lot of times people will have saved money in a permanent life insurance policy. And maybe that life insurance policy is just a plain vanilla whole life insurance policy where it's got a cash value component and a death benefit. Well, you can exchange that cash value into a new policy and it might be enough to pay for a policy with a smaller death benefit that can also be used for long-term care. So we call that a hybrid policy a lot of times, but that's what it is, is it's a life, a permanent life insurance policy with a rider that allows you to spend the death benefit on long-term care while you're alive, obviously. Um, now, how that works, Sarah, is that if, say you had $250,000 worth of death benefit, the insurance company is going to typically allow you to take that out in an increment. So let's just say um, 2%, right? So they'll let you take 2% of that death benefit or $5,000 every month uh, for long-term care provided a doctor certifies that you need help performing the activities of daily living, meaning the things, the skills that we learn early in childhood, like eating, dressing, bathing, toileting. Sure. And so that what that does is it takes an asset that they already have and, you know, it makes it a little bit more useful. And so that's one way to do it. The other way is to do legal planning and meeting with an elder care attorney, setting up trusts. And certainly if they have other, other things besides just a, you know, a bank and a retirement account, um, it probably makes sense to look at doing some type of trust planning. Uh, you know, if there's a lot of real estate holdings or if they have significant pension streams and income streams, uh, then you, you'd probably definitely want to go the legal route. Yeah. Okay. Well, again, that sounds great. Um, 800-705-9995. That's the number you can call, Sarah. Let's see. Uh, we got time for one more quick one. Let's do uh, Roland. Uh, Roland says, I'll stop working at 62. I can survive financially for several years without Social Security. If I wait till my full retirement age at 67, I will have no earned income since age 62. Those years will count as zero when they calculate my Social Security benefit. Am I better off collecting at 62 with no zero in the with no zero years in the averaging, or should I collect at 67? I like the question. It's a great question, Roland, and uh, I'm glad that we we were able to squeeze this in today. And this is one of the things that we're going to look at when we put together a, a, a financial plan for you. Is uh, there's a, a lot of misunderstanding about Social Security? Now, I'm assuming you didn't start working at 27 years old. You probably started working earlier than that. Sure. The the way they calculate your social security is your average indexed monthly earnings. Now, yes, they are projecting those five years of you working into that calculation. But if you've already had 35 good earnings years, then the impact on your social security uh, is not going to be that much. But what you want to look at is how is that, how, how are you going to live, right? So if you're going to be pulling from your investments, what are those investments yielding? And that's why you need to make these decisions inside the context of a plan, because we know that if you start at 62, your benefit is going to be roughly 25% less. And so if you started at 67, 
what did those investments do over those five years, right? Did they did they make more than 25%? If they were in the stock market, probably yet yeah, the, the probably the answer is yes. If they're sitting in a bank account at a tenth of a percent interest, then the answer is definitely no. And so that's why you always want to make decisions in the context of a plan. We still do have, I think, three spots left. So um, we would love to sit down with any of our listeners that has great questions like this. And um, we're more than happy to put together that plan for you. 800-705-9995. You'll get that comprehensive financial review. You'll see where you are today. But more importantly, you'll find that you've got a roadmap that can help get you to where you need to be when it comes to retirement. 800-705-9995. Again, 800-705-9995. Steve, as always, a pleasure to be here and, and have this conversation. The information is so important for folks to hear. Love doing it. And we'll be back again next Sunday evening. Thank you so much for listening, Orlando. The information on this program is educational in nature and is not intended to be a recommendation for any specific investment product, strategy, plan, or other purposes. Information presented is believed to be factual and up-to-date, but we do not guarantee its accuracy and it should not be regarded as a complete analysis of subjects discussed. Prior to making any investment or financial decisions, an investor should always seek advice from a financial, insurance, legal, or tax professional that takes into account all of the particular facts and circumstances of an investor's own situation. Laurel Wealth Solutions and or Stephen Crusoe offer investment advisory and financial planning services through Bellpoint Asset Management, LLC, an investment advisor registered with the Securities and Exchange Commission. Registration with SEC should not be construed to imply that the SEC has approved or endorsed qualifications or the services Bellpoint Asset Management offers, or that its personnel possesses a particular level of skill, expertise, or training. Coach P Radio!